is Ray's Rowdy Racing with Caleb Conradi and Dawson Edwards. Good morning, beautiful people. Yo, yo, Ray's yo, yo, Rowdy yo, yo, yo. Racing. How we doing, Dawson? How we doing? We're back again. I'm good, man. I'm going to go yeah. ahead and apologize up front. I got a uh, stuffy nose. I've, uh, Caleb had to give me some medicine this weekend on the road. I, I just have like a, I don't know, I just stopped up. Got some ear yeah. ear stoppage and nose stoppage going on. Yeah, it's one of the rare days you never get sick. That's yeah, I told uh, Lindsay, I was like, I think I'm actually sick. <laughs> yeah, we you never ever get sick. We have a uh, we have a running joke in our friend group. We call Dawson the cockroach because there's nothing that could ever get him down. Nothing's ever going to kill Dawson. He is completely immune to everything. There goes Rams. Rams in the background. The, the mailman's here. <laughs> the mailman's Rams, be here. Quiet. <laughs> yeah, I just saw him go by. She she. So the couch is uh sits right here in front of the window, and her spot is on the back of the couch, and she just. It's she cracks me up. I've never met a dog like this one that just sits and watches. Like she, like we sit on the porch like almost every night. She just sits on the steps and just watches everything happen. When she's here during the day, yeah. When I'm here during the day, or she's here by herself, and like during the day, there, like I said, that couch is over there. She sits on the back of the couch, just right at the window, and she just watches. And it's yeah, she'd be a she'd be a great watchdog if she wasn't the size of a boiled peanut. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's eight pounds. Eight pound guard dog. I'm surprised at eight. I'm surprised at eight, man. I honestly would have thought like four, three, maybe. I think Lindsay. I think it's eight. I think I could. I could Dang. be wrong about that. I don't know. Been I think it's Rams eight. Well, heck yeah. But yeah, you were you were feeling a little bit poorly on that. I can't remember if it was the first day or the second day that we got up. And you're, that was the second day we were out on the road because this was a brutal run and being sick on top of it. I can't even imagine that would that would have yeah. really sucked. It was uh, yeah. I don't know what the deal is, but. Yeah, I am the cockroach, so I never get sick. I never really have any issues, but something's got my nose a little messed up, and I just kind of just felt not great all weekend. And then, like you said, on top of the the crazy weekend we had of all the shows being outside, we were in Florida. It's 100 degrees. In it's August. rained at two of them. I mean, whew, I'm glad to be home. I'm glad to be home, too. I was texting Allison on the last day just saying, I'm so tired. We got on the phone, and we were talking – and I just had zero energy left. We had, like you said, it had been raining, hot. At Leroy, our steel player, actually looked at me at one point. And he was like, I bet you lost like five pounds, man, because every time I see you, you look like you just stepped out of the shower. You're soaking wet. <laughs> it was it was rough, man. It was yeah, real rough. Just, I mean, you know, that's what playing outdoor shows in Florida in August will get you just soaked, you know, literally from, yeah. soaked from sweat and also soaked from the rain. We had uh, – the first show we were in uh, Cocoa Beach. That's where we were. Yeah, dude. Visiting during the day, it again. just comes a turd floater. Myrtle yeah. Beach again. We've we've gotten we've been Myrtle Beach last week in Ohio. Myrtle Beach again in uh, Cocoa Beach, and we've gotten a lot better at covering everything up. Like Bud said, I wish Heck we could yeah. get rusty at that, but we're 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 got uh, the covering up thing figured out. In the words of Josh Hammonds, you only get caught with your pants down once. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that saying is brought up on this podcast weekly. It it should, and that's uh, one of those. Uh, I wish you know, I used to call Josh dad. Some, yeah, I that's do. A, yeah. That's a dad quote from Josh. There's some there's some NASCAR drivers that could definitely hear that that should definitely hear that quote. You only get caught with your pants down once because we're going to talk about it here coming up later once we're off the trick crew stuff. But 
There's a few yeah. drivers out there that have been getting caught with their pants down multiple times the last few weeks, and they have. we're about running out of pants to put them back on them. And it always involves pit road. Always. It does. But, yeah, it was it was hot. It was sweaty. I mean, we got we got everything set up in two, the, the first two days this week. It was just hot. We're sweating our ass off. We're in this truck, or we're out on the stage. We have almost no roof. And so the sun's just beating down on you the whole time. And both days, it just starts raining right in the middle of the afternoon. And it's like, what do you do? You just have to cover everything up. We pushed our sound checks forward. The band hardly even got the check. That was, man, I would just not rather go back to Florida in August. I don't mind Florida. I enjoy going down there. But going there in the middle of the summer like that, God dang, man, it's just brutal. We should totally just play indoors. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody get Duderman on the phone. We got to tell him next year we're coming in like October or something late september maybe yeah anything that's just either indoor i just why can't we just come indoors or play at a fucking real venue <laughs> yeah of all the beautiful venues across america as, as Derek parker said we, we had we I had a great uh quote Derek said this week it was like this or no not Derek. jimmy said this he says we're on the parks and rec tour <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's how it the felt parks man and we, rec were, tour. That's we it. were on the parks and rec tour and i was just like that couldn't be more true that is exactly what it was. I mean, we played two parks and one amphitheater. And the two parks, one of them has shows fairly often. The other one should never have a show in it, ever. It was nothing there. And the third one, actually an amphitheater, but by the time you got there, it's just like, oh, my God, I'm just so tired of this. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> the, la- the last show was cool. It was an actual amphitheater, and the crowd was great. Like that was, that was, If we could have played three of those, and totally covered, yeah. it would have been a lot different. When you're even when you're outside, but you're totally covered, it's like okay, not so bad. Yeah, you can deal with this. It's like God dang, man! It was. I'm just. I'm so glad I'm home. I'm so glad that we are not on the road for three or four days, so yeah. we could just recover. I don't even know where we're going next week. I think it's like Wisconsin and Iowa, like some really out there shows. Two, up in the, two uh, in up Wisconsin, in the one in Iowa. That's where we're headed. Yeah, long so, drive, well, dude. We got. Long drives on the way back home. On the way back home. Yeah. So we got to. I think this is our last, like, really, really hardcore long drive one until we have that two week run at the end of September. So yeah, we got a solid 15 days have. off after these three shows. I need them. I need them. I need them bad. I need Maybe I can finish bad. moving in. Yeah, me too, man. I'm still looking around my podcast studio, everything. Like, it's still blank up here. I still have nothing hanging. Yeah. I can hear the reverb of the room and my microphone. I still got all my stuff just laying across the ground. There's just been no chance. I'm actually about to get to cut our lawn for the first time this week, even. Yeah, just I'm got fresh lawn out of over it. last week, and I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to get out there and sweat a little bit more mowing the lawn. At least I'll sweat for myself this time. Yeah, I'm fresh out of the shower. I mowed grass early this morning because, man, you can't. It's supposed to literally be a hundred degrees here this week, so you can't. Uh, you can't mow grass in a hundred degrees. So I you get up really at can't. eight, eight in the morning and get out there, and the grass is still wet. But mowing wet grass is better than mowing grass in a hundred degrees. Straight up, man. <laughs> it's either wet grass or wet you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's well, no in between. I still like I jumped out of a swimming pool, but it just wasn't as bad as it could have been. You know. Yeah, dang. I'm just excited. I've mowed grass in a few years, and I miss it dearly. I've been living in apartments, and Dude, my I, last I landowners you. had had the grass mowed for us, so it's like, man, I'm I'm excited. I'm ready. I, I probably you. will change my tune as soon as I'm done, 
But at least right now, I'm excited about it. I was so pumped up to mow grass. That sounds so dumb, I know. But I was so pumped up because me and you both, you know, the last eight, ten years, we haven't mowed grass. And uh, yeah. like to explain that to someone, they're like, what? And it's But they just, you know, most people don't understand. But to... to City living, man. It yeah, it just old. sucks, dude. And then yeah. now, uh, we're both out in the middle of nowhere. And it's great. You can mow grass. You can... You know, do whatever. Like I tell you all the time, you can't even go more than like 15, 20 miles an hour on my road. Here comes the mailman again. I bet I'm right here a bark going back that, the other way. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, that's amazing. But you can't go more I, than I, 15, 20 miles an hour down this road, and it is just awesome. Hell yeah. That's awesome. And, I, and same with really you. You're, you're way out in the middle of BFE, too. We are. We are on kind of a major roadway, though, so we do have quite a bit of traffic coming across our nose, but luckily our driveway You're big is on like that, uh, that country hospitality out that there country hospitality. Oh, man. We got a lot of it. <laughs> People are friendly around here. Oh, they man. Ain't got to worry about nothing. They ain't got to worry about uh, nothing out there in Centerville. Yeah. Yeah. I need to tell Lindsay but that story and my family. You really They'll do. get a kick out of that when they listen to this. Like, what were you talking about? I was like, I'll tell y'all. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll save it for another day and a few more beers. We'll save but, that for uh, off the pod. Yeah, off the pod <laughs> conversations. But speaking of mowing grass, y'all, we had a really good day at Watkins Glen. And when I talk mowing grass, I'm talking about Daniel Suarez in the beginning of the race, just plowing it through the carousel infield right there on the exit exit of the bus stop. He's mowed more grass in the last 24 hours than I've mowed in the last four years. So. Got to give him a little bit of credit. He's doing everything I, I want to do with my life. That I must have missed that. It must have happened early because I missed the first like, yeah. two laps of the race. Like, or no, it was it like was the first like, five or six laps of the race. It was real early. Yeah, he uh, coming out of the bus stop. I mean, it's got a. It, it was the first handful of laps. All of a sudden, you just see. Uh, yeah, so Dale I, mean, Jr. I didn't see you know how one. Dale Jr. does. He freaks out whenever yeah. something's happening right in front of him. So he did that, and it was Daniel Suarez just coming through that bus stop and hitting the third curb of it and just having a weird bounce of his car and it went left and he was trying to zag right and all of a sudden he's just doing a half spin into the grass going into that carousel so yeah barely i didn't, hit I didn't even see that on social media I, I completely missed that completely it wasn't like the biggest deal in the <laughs> world he ended up getting it rolling back again and nothing really crazy happened from it but he got lucky, man. If he had just come up just a little bit more, it was still so early in that run that there was tons of cars coming single file right behind him. So he was really lucky he didn't just get creamed on the driver's side coming out of that spin. Yeah. But nothing really like overly constant. Go ahead. What'd you say? I said nothing really overly consequential at the moment with it in terms of his car, but when you're in the position that Daniel Suarez is in, you can't do that. You can't. You can't afford those kind of mistakes. So. Yeah, dude. It's just be, being under pressure like that at the playoff bubble. It's like every single thing you do is literally under a microscope. You know. Yeah, and you just so start like thinking a, back to every other race that you've ran all year where you did this. You made this mistake here. Imagine if I just didn't miss out on these points here. Yep. It's like God. The the wish you would have are stacking up strong for those that around the bubble cut right now with the tie. Well, I mean, Ty Gibbs is forgiven being a rookie i mean there's only so much you can do but daniel suarez and Bubba Wallace right now just though. looking down the road heck yeah he did absolutely squirrel boy. Just looking down the gun Squ little squirrel boy uh but i guess let's let's start at the top of our notes we uh we we write up these notes every week what's what's let's, let's let's take a look at them but let's be honest caleb has written the notes the last two weeks completely when we lived together we used to get together and write the notes together 
And then now Caleb has written the last two weeks completely. But see, now I got this fancy computer, so I might could start typing some notes in on here. Yeah, your fancy Find Me You computer, man. It's a great time. <laughs> yeah, if y'all follow me on social media, you saw my paint case from Lindsay's college days and Megan's uh, flower light blue and purple case on here. I actually have a, uh, it's still in the package right in front of me, but I got a one to try to put on the front. We ordered one before, but it, it didn't fit. So, dang. Trying to f- make sure worst. we get the right one. But I think it's it's black, maybe, like just solid black case. There you go. I want to put like a big old sticker clear. on it that says red. Oh, I was thinking about putting like a, since it was black, maybe just putting like a big G in the middle. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I think if it's if it's black, I can't remember what color it is. Like I said, it's in the box. So if if, if it's black, I might put a G on there just, just because. There you go. That'll work. Well, football, uh, football season starts going... next week, so we got to get in the yeah, mood. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I totally feel you. But uh, getting back Watkins around to Glenn. Sunday, Watkins Glen, great race Snooze track. Fest. I absolutely look forward to this race every single week. I have a bit <laughs> so of a different opinion. I don't think it's a snooze fest. I think the last this is like our opinions on Martinsville, but this is like our Martinsville this year. Like I thought it was pretty cool race. Caleb hated it, but I think uh, I'm going to have a hot take here, but if you took stages away at Martinsville in this car, I don't think they'd wreck. I think they'd just ride around in circles. You have a 500 lap Martinsville race done in two hours because they wouldn't touch each other. They wouldn't, which is kind of what this ended up with this week with, uh, with the last 30 laps. And that's uh, depressing. That is sad, 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 and depressing. It is, absolutely. And William Byron comes out there and snags him a good old win. I mean, it's Do hard you to think it's he would have won. Do you think he would have won if the 34 didn't have three screw ups? I don't think that, to be honest, I don't see why that question even needs to be asked just because he did have those screw ups. Smaller team comes out there. I don't think, I don't think Michael McDowell puts together a race like he did at IRP, or an IRP. Goodness, uh, the Indy Road there Course. You go. <laughs> I don't think he comes out there. I'm yeah. I'm it's early in the morning. I'm still drinking my coffee. I don't think that Michael McDowell comes out there and runs a race as perfectly as he did at the Indy Road Course. But once out of every ten tries, I mean, he's he's got a smaller team with less ability to. Uh, you hear him talk on the Denny podcast the other day about the fact that they do have some equipment and they do have some ability to do things, but for them to come out and put a race together like that, I don't want to say it was a fluke necessarily and take away all the hard work that they did, but I don't see them coming out and having those competitive days as often as someone like a Hendricks, uh, someone like a Joe Gibbs, and they only really, I give Todd Gillen a lot of credit for what he's done in that 38, but they only really have one true winning capable car driver team combo and that's in the 34 if he could have passed yesterday he'd have put it in the top 10 oh yeah without a doubt if you could have passed but passing's hard on this racetrack as as shown by the last 30 laps i mean willie b gets out in front he gets that clean air on the nose and it takes forever to get back around to lap traffic on a road course he had all the time in the world to just go out there and set q laps over and over again you hear aj almendinger get out of the car and he says Man, the tires fall off so slowly, it's like you're setting Q-laps every time, and even when they do start falling off, you still feel like you're setting Q-laps. So they're out there running their absolute tails off, and whoever's in first right now, just with the aerodynamics of this car and the how good they are on the road courses, whoever is in first has such a major advantage that, yeah, even if Michael McDowell 
had a great race and ended up there in second, I don't have I don't think I would have seen McDowell passing up Byron for that win, especially towards the end of the race after they've had a chance to get used to their cars because he passed Denny at the very beginning. But Denny even said it himself. I was he was on kill mode and I was still trying to get settled in. I think by that point in the race, Willie B's out front. Willie B stays out front, no matter who's behind him. And that was wild to see. No, I just meant like if the if the thirty four didn't have the pit road issue and stayed out front. I mean, he took off. He came out in fr- so far in front of Denny. I think he would have either came out dead even or in front of the twenty four as well. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think. I don't think. I think the 34 had the best car all day until he didn't. Until he, until he screwed <laughs> until up. Until his car blew but up. Then, but then, <laughs> yeah, until his his car he blew up. But even working. when he screwed up, his he had screw ups, but when he, even when he screwed up, he still, he could pass because that's why I think he had the best car. He drove all the way back from 21st all the way to 9th before the next issue happened. So, like, he actually, he could pass. And then he got all the way up to 7th, I think, at one point after all that happened. So it's, like everybody talks about on social media, it's like the only guys that can pass at these type of tracks are the guys that have the cars that are head and shoulders above everybody else. So that's what made me think yesterday that his car was really head and shoulders above everybody else. Again, you know, and he was just going to go, you know, all off and on it. I don't, I don't think he would have spent on pit road, but him and Denny were coming down pit road. They came down pit road together. They pit and come off pit road together. So they're just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And then he went over and I was like, Oh, well, he did know, the uh, was... too many boxes. He had the too many boxes penalty on there. Yeah, didn't he speed though too? Uh, he had two pit uh, road. If he penalties. did, I just missed that one. I knew yeah, the. Uh, I, I, I think the, might have what... too many boxes and uh, and the uh, and the blow up at the end. If there was another one, I was in the middle of doing a whole bunch of stuff yesterday, so I was kind of having to check in as I could. Yeah, he had two. He had two yesterday. I can't remember. Yeah, he had two. I can't yeah. remember what they were. I mean, either way, just tough, though, just like. I think just he had like a good-ass car. car. Like you said, he had a phenomenal car, and they definitely showed up with even more confidence than they showed up at the Indy Road Course, but it just shows you how much execution has to play in these races, especially once they took stage breaks out of them. He said, that became our opportunity, but the problem is, without stage breaks, it's also a big detriment. You put yourself in a hole, and you've got a hardcore dig yourself out of it, and it's tough. It's a lot yeah. tougher when you don't have two built-in restacks where you can make up a bunch of positions all at once, you're going to have to go out there and earn them the hard way. And the race just isn't long enough for you to have consistent mess-ups across stage one, two, and three. Uh, or I guess he he won that first stage, and after that it was just stage two and three were just rough. They just You just can't have that anymore. Yeah, cool for him, though, because he's bumped himself up above. Uh, he went from obviously out of the bubble into above Ricky Stenhouse because he had a stage yeah. uh, stage win. So that got him above Ricky. And then he got another one, so that put him up. And then now with Kez and uh, Harvick being locked in, he's above them. So he's bu- he's bumped his way up to like 12th or so in points. Yeah, so he's going to actually start. Yeah, he's going to actually start the playoffs, you know, not dead last. He's going to start the playoffs in about that 12th-ish area. Yeah, his best – the best place he's ever been in the postseason at this point. And that's awesome. Oh, yeah. that, it, watching that team build like that is incredible. And we harped on them a lot last last week, but they still deserve it. I mean, they had, unfortunately, terrible execution this week, really knocked their chances of another great race and potentially race win. Uh, but awesome to see the progress that they've made. If they can just get the races cleaned up a little bit, 
uh, that's going to turn into a dangerous team, especially with yeah. the number of road courses that we have Would you, anymore. And you got you got the thirty eight, and I feel like we're almost having the same conversation as we had last week. But it, like you just said, it's worth it to talk about them. And I think RFK, they just the the thirty eight finished eleventh yesterday. And I loved how on Denny's podcast, Michael was talking about realistic expectations. Do you think they can go out there and win the championship? No. But he was like, if we can make it through this first round, which starting in 11th or 12th, he has a great opportunity starting off to make it to possibly that second, the next round. And that next round, he has the Roval and Talladega. He was like, those are my two chances to make it into the next one. He was like, and if I can make it into the top eight, he's like, that's a chance. That's a win for this team is the top eight. And I'm like, Dude, that would be – that's like – that's the little man against the, the biggest, baddest teams in racing to be able to, to finagle their way into the top eight. That would be just super cool. And then I think RFK, they have just some momentum coming into the playoffs. I 1,000% think they can make it. Busher specifically can make it into the top eight almost no problem. I think Busher is, is coming. He's ready to go. Yeah, got the RFK stuff on right here. We got the oh, R- yeah. I got some RFK sheet metal right here. Heck yeah. I wore it today and, specifically and right over here. because uh we now have both the RFK cars locked into the playoffs and I absolutely love that. Me too. Awesome to I, I ate it. some Kings Hawaiian rolls last night. We made sliders in in oh, honor of nice. uh, making it in there. Them both of them making it in there. Yeah, we were uh we were driving home <laughs> yesterday from we went to our last house to go clean it up a little bit last night or uh yesterday as soon as I got off the bus. We're rolling back to the house during the middle of the race. I've got the race playing up there, and we passed by that Mexican restaurant that y'all hated that one time. Coming back on the old Clarksville Pike, Allison immediately calls me, and I answer, and I don't even say another word, but you want to get Mexican, don't you? <laughs> she said, yeah, so we went over and ate Mexican after the race was over with, so I had a good few margs and everything. So I was definitely yeah. supporting the uh, the alcohol sponsors this week. It was a great time. Daniel Suarez. Heck, yeah. Uh <laughs> So another uh, another team that's worth noting with the standout performance this week that I honestly didn't see coming was Joe Gibbs. I mean, Toyota's been strong all year. Toyota has been strong at a little bit of everything, but road courses hasn't been one of them. At the very beginning of the year, I remember at Coda, we were talking about how Tyler Reddick was about the only Toyota with a road course package. And now here you go. Joe Gibbs finishes second, third, fifth, and sixth. That's impressive. It's really, really wild to see. Denny Hamlin honestly ran second place all day long. I really think he had a second place car. He needed a rabbit yeah. to chase. Nobody, uh, who, no matter who was there, he had a second place car. Yep, he just needed some. He needed somebody to chase down. Denny Hamlin, I think, is one of those guys. That he went out there and set the pole, but once the race got started, he needed somebody to to, to gauge himself off of, which worked out great for him. I mean, a second place finish for him at Watkins Glen, not a bad way to get close to the end of the regular season championship. Uh, he's closing in on, on Truex just a little bit, trying to see if he can pull that one away. But it's going to be really tough. He's going to have to have a lot of things fall his direction, and that's going to be hard to uh, hard to predict at Daytona. But that's a track that he is phenomenal at. And a track Truex that Truex stuck, <laughs> yeah, yeah. suffers at. So that's we'll exactly what I was going to say. Uh, if we'll he can run a perfect race and Truex runs in the back, he might, he might sneak it out. But, you know, Daytona is Daytona. But I, yeah. I was going to say, talking about Denny, 
I mean, the dude has never, never had a pole in his whole career at a road course. He's never ran. He's not the road course guy. And he talks about, like, having Reddick is, like, has helped him so much, just being able to look at his data and look at what he does and all that. And now he's come out here and he has three road course poles in one season. Like, that's, where does that come that's from? That's crazy. I didn't even know that stat. That's, that's really cool to see. That is that is awesome. And yeah, then the rest never of had a road course also pole. showing up is insane. And it God, also dang. the true Truex, they said on the radio he was like, you know, we'd be lucky to finish fifteenth. Like we'd be happy with a fifteenth place car. And then he comes out and finishes, I don't top five, top Sixth. six, whatever. I was like, where did that come from? Like, just you know, working on know. it, working on it, working on it. Seabell, who's had a really quiet year for for a Joe Gibbs car, he finishes in third. I just not something I would have seen coming, and then Ty Gibbs having one of his career days for a rookie season, finishing in fifth. I mean, second top I just, five, I believe, for him. I if it is, I I think you're right, but uh, I think they said yeah, that just, yesterday. It's his second top five, and they were talking about Bell. He just he just I guess I you know he needs that like confidence boost. He needed a good run, so if that's if that's what he needs, he was scary in the playoffs last year. Won two races and got his way into the final four. So. If they start picking up momentum at the at you know this point in the season, then they could be dangerous in the playoffs if they have anything like they had last year. Absolutely, that would be that would be absolutely crazy to see. And we're going to some really tough tracks. First round of the playoffs has always been a really really tough set of races. I mean, here you're looking at Darlington, Kansas, and Bristol. Darlington itself is already a tough race. Then you got Kansas, which is a little bit more of a a Which has been putting style, but it has been an awesome, awesome race track. in yeah. this new car. Holy shit! Dude. It has been. Which the tells first, you how competitive the first it's round, be. the first round of the playoffs, I have loved so much because in the last couple years, just because it is Darlington. Darlington puts on a good race, pretty much all the time. It put on a good race earlier this year. Chastain, you know, destroyed Larson. It is what it is. But put on a good race earlier this year, and Kansas has been absolutely killing it. And then. Bristol's Bristol. Hopefully, with the short track package, they can get it going. But I mean, Bristol's Bristol. So three awesome racetracks mm -hmm. to start the playoffs with. And then, like I said, that second round <coughs> is the Roval, which is one of your favorite tracks. Talladega, it which is. is God's favorite track. And then I don't know what the third track <laughs> and then is in there. Texas, Texas, oh, which See, I mean, Texas home is state, a, it, but it Texas is what is it is. The, They've repaved it. The downer, it. yeah. It is. It is what it is, man. I love I love Texas. It's a hometown race. I would love to go to the race at some point. We'll just have to see about it. Yeah. Uh, we've yeah. been we've been to Texas, but just not the race. Yeah, we have went we there ever talked about the, that on uh, this podcast? Ever? I don't think we have. We uh if we did it was very early on, but going there for the uh the twenty eighteen Daytona five hundred. Yeah. Watching Austin Dillon almost murder Eric Amarola for the win. And we were in the infield at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, it was missing, it was raining all day long, but they had it playing on Big Hoss up there. And so we were just down there watching, had all of our, it was like a drive-in movie, because they had all of Got our radios tuned into a certain, uh, to a certain radio station, listen to the, uh, listen to the broadcast, and yeah, ride around in the pace car, having the guys gun it up around turns one and two and three and four, and it was really neat to see. <clears throat> that was, that was a lot of fun. I had a, that was my first time ever going to a Bucky's and my first time ever on an airplane. And now I've been to a million Bucky's and been on a million airplanes since. <laughs> it's all got to start somewhere. That's a good way to start it. Uh, it is. Anyway, sorry to throw us off track, but I, that's a good nah, little good. NASCAR that's tidbit good of our, our history there. 
Absolutely. That was a lot of fun. I would gladly do it again if we could. Uh, we kind of hit so, on the uh, – we got Brad Kay and Harvick locking themselves mm -hmm. in. We kind of hit on that. But that's – like, let's just go back. I saw a stat <clears> – <throat> not a stat. This is just straight up what it is. But the regular season points, we were, you know, talking about Denny and Truex. Kevin Harvick, who is running for the shittiest big team <laughs> out there. I, I, we've, we've talked about it so much on this podcast – but my whole social media feed, dude, is just like, what is going on with SHR? I mean, Harvick qualified 34th yesterday. Unbelievable. <clears throat> I mean, it's just, it's just, I, I don't even have the word. I don't even know. Like, I, I, I've never, I don't recall a big team, what we consider a big team, well-funded team. I cannot remember a team running this bad ever. I, you, you know, usually an off year for these big teams is like when everybody's running 15th, 20th, you know, whatever. These guys, we've talked about it so much, but they are running 30th and worse. They are literally in fights with Rick Ware in the 78 in these cars like this. <clears throat> All that to say, Kevin Harvick is 10th in the regular season points. I mean, yeah. what? A, what? I don't know. Kevin Harvick should just be crowned the champion for doing what he's doing in these cars. It just blow it blows me away. He, he yesterday was awful, <clears throat> just awful for SHR. But I mean, he is still tenth in uh, regular season points. Just blows my mind and how, how, how he can still for him on his final season. I mean, yeah, final season coming in and a team that has done so much for you and done so well for so long. Coming in and just struggling the way that they are. I mean, I know it's always tough when you're on a retirement season. Everybody wants to go out on top. Name any athlete who doesn't. And everybody tries to, and it's always been so tough. Even in, Especially in NASCAR, I feel like anybody that announces a retirement goes out there and just statistically has one of their most mediocre seasons. It's hard to find a single example. And if you can, let me know about it. Of Jeff anybody Gordon that's ever claimed. <clears throat> made the there Final Four his final season. Which was there pretty badass. He won at Martinsville and, and made the Final Four his final year. And that was right before my uh, tenure as a NASCAR fan got started. So, that, yeah, like I, I said, it's – it's, And we're talking about one of the greatest of all time in the sport. So, at, at the end of the day, it's really tough to have a good, solid run for your retirement year. And Kevin Harvick quietly is doing that. Like you just said, having one of the worst teams on the track right now for a big, highly funded team – coming out there and doing what he's doing with it, he is still the benchmark at SHR, and there's no one else that's even somewhat close to him in ability. And it's just really, really tough for them to be going through what they're doing. And Josh Berry is about to come in and step into that role, and they're not going to have a strong leader for a while. Is Josh Berry probably the one most qualified? Yeah, but coming into the Cup Series as a – as technically a rookie, having to run a lot of racetracks you've never seen before in a Cup Series car, and running against some guys that have decades of experience, he's gonna take. It's gonna take him a bit to really be yeah. up in the fold. He's got a lot of re respect on the racetrack already, which is gonna help him out. But at the end of the day, what are they? What is the plan going forward for SHR after Harvick retires? It's tough to say, and we're really just gonna have to wait till about halfway through next season to really know. Oh. But I'm so I concerned agree with you for what Harvick is doing. <laughs> I'm so concerned with, I mean, it doesn't really make it down, but like with Barry going there and, and if he goes there and it's just awful, like people just go ahead and writing Josh Barry off. Like I, 
dude is a talented race car driver and made it there the right way. And I just, th- they're losing Harvick and they're losing Anheuser Busch. I mean, they couldn't have two of the two worst things happen. I mean, honestly. it's true. And it's on true. a year that is so bad, and to have those two things also happening, I mean, I just feel like everybody there is uh, just the morale has to just not just be like, <laughs> damn, what's next? I, I don't mean, I just I, you know, I don't know, but whew, I'd be, I'd be nervous. I'd be nervous yeah. for sure, and I just really don't want people to write Josh Berry off like, oh yeah, you know, whatever, it's, you know, stuff like that. Like, that would just not be good. That would that would really suck if that's if that's the case next year. It would, but luckily we do have a chance to see some Harvick magic. They call on the closer. We're getting to the end of the of the actual regular season, and he's locked into the playoffs, and he's. I think he has a chance to come out there and do something really miraculous. I think he's still running good enough. He could get up there and get himself a win in his last season. And I really want to see that happen. Just enough on short tracks. There, I heard somebody talking earlier. I don't remember it was another podcast. I read this or what, but it's like Bristol or Martinsville. We both get we got both of them left. And SHR has done okay. I don't know if everybody remembers, but Ryan Priest kicked ass at Martinsville and probably would have won if he didn't screw his own race up too. Back then, <laughs> back earlier this year, but uh, I could see Harvick coming out and doing something at Bristol or Martinsville. But other, and you know, we we do have Daytona, we have Talladega. Hey, anything can happen there. But if it's not at one of those four tracks, and we got what eleven left, he's got. I feel like yep. he's got about four chances to for something to happen in this last year. And hey, I am all for all for him getting a win. I'm all for him making it playoffs <clears throat> on this final season. I mean, that's just making the playoffs is something to hang your hat on on your final season. If if he doesn't get a win, you know, he won two races last year. But if he could do that, that would be that would be super dope. It would be absolutely. So we're definitely going to have our eyes out for that. And uh, RFK gets Brad K into the uh, into the playoffs as well, based on points alone. And it's crazy to think if somebody that wasn't uh, a previous winner had won this race, which by the looks of everything with the top with the top eight that were going in, I mean, there wasn't really much of a chance of that happening. But that would have turned into a, a, a bubble battle with Brad Kay and Harvick. And luckily they're both in, which is two drivers I think definitely deserve for everything they've had to fight through all year. It would have been heartbreaking to see one of them not make it in. I mean, yeah, I and Keselowski getting in with those points, he would have been the guy on top. He would have been the one getting in, and Harvick would have been the one getting knocked out had it come down really down to it. At this point, there's a four-point difference between the two of them. And I'm just happy to see them both in there. And I really think that Brad Kay can come in and have a phenomenal run in the playoffs as well. He's been that driver that has just consistently done great things in a car that no one expected to come out and do great things in. So another he's cha- example. He's changing it up, man. They're, consistency is they're, they're getting to be the team though, that people are expecting to come in and do well. Like it's, it's, it's happened so fast. And I feel like it happened like literally in the last like 10 to 15 weeks, but people I think now are like, okay, RFK is going to, is running top 10. They're going to run top 10 today. They did it yesterday. I mean, they're, they're just like, they're going to they run are. top 10, you know, in uh. I apologize for keep bringing up regular season points because I know 99% of people don't give a damn about regular season points. But just throwing it out there, I looked. Kez 
and uh, Busher are sixth and seventh in regular season points. Like they are having top notch years. They really, I mean, that sixth and seventh in points, like that is that is awesome. That is that is great. So, I, dude, next season, be ready is all I know because I think the six and the seventeen are going to be rocking and rolling at every single place we go to. And I'd make the argument that we should have been ready this year because we look <clears> at. <throat> A team, the two teams I like to compare the most when it comes to RFK is twenty three eleven. I love to look at those two teams as teams that came around at about the twenty three eleven and Keselowski joining in the ownership group of RFK kind of happened at a very similar year times, part, right I around. Think. Yeah, right around each other. Was uh, last year was the Six's first year, correct? Or with with uh, with he came in the first year last year, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I believe yeah. so. So, so they've, they've had, and they they've only been in, in a year and a half. That blows my mind. It's crazy. Yeah, they have. And twenty three eleven gets so much media coverage because they have Bubba Wallace. Love him or hate him, whatever your opinion is, he is media gold. He can get reactions out of people, so they cover him <laughs> all the time. Tyler Reddick consistently runs up front as uh, as a contender to win the race every single week. And RFK the owner of the race team is one of the biggest athletes in uh, the history of the world. And the other one is one of the biggest athletes in NASCAR history. Yeah. And here we are with them getting so much media coverage for what they're doing. RFK has a has one more win than they do this season with Chris Buescher getting two. And Tyler Reddick only has the one. And Bubba Wallace is sitting on the cut line. Look, he's He's barely got a foot in right now with Suarez and Ty Gibbs being right behind him and a slew of great drivers without a win that could absolutely come into Daytona and bump him out. And it blows many, my mind that we've got two locked-in RFK drivers, and they get so little attention in the media compared to only one locked-in driver for 2311, and they just get all the attention. And I guess you're so right. that's, a, that's, so the, right. that's the biggest – that's the toughest part about this playoff system is that 16th place does not matter on race day. But yes. 16th place sure as shit matters when it's down to the very end of the regular season. I'd rather be in 16th place for the – if I was looking for attention alone, I'd rather be in 16th place looking out than 12th place being locked in at this point because you're going to get so much more attention and coverage. That just boosts your stock artificially because you're running in 16th consi- consistently. So – I got to hand it to Bubba Wallace. He always manages to find himself in the media spotlight one way or another, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. It yeah. always is happening. A couple things. I I'm, I made the joke yesterday. They're, they're videoing Bubba getting out of his car. Oh, he's done He's done everything he's supposed to do today, you know, whatever, you know, for a 12th place finish. And I'm just like, who in the history of NASCAR has ever been videoed getting out of their car for a 12th place finish? And the guy commented, it's like, well, I guess you didn't see Dale Jr. and Danica Patrick. And I'm like, I did, actually. And I never saw either one of them get videoed and put on social media for finishing 12th, ever, after a race. Like, no one gives a fuck about who finishes 12th, ever. They never have. And me and you, since our friendship began in NASCAR, we've always made the jokes about the almost top 10s. You show up to the racetrack to run 10th or better. If you're a top-tier team, you show up to run 10th or better. So, it just cracks me up. You know, it when when a backmarker team finishes fifteenth, yes, that's a huge deal. When you're one of the most funded teams in racing, finishing fifteenth is like that's not not that great, you know. And uh, Chase, he he nailed it. You know, the other day, 
they're asking him last week about what he's got to do, or maybe it was before this race. I don't remember the timeline, but he's like, even if we get in, he was like 16th place. So my average finish of the year, 16th. He was like, that doesn't do shit. He's like, we haven't ran well enough to even be in a, a top 10 team consistently. And I was like, thank you, Chase Elliott, for saying that. Like, more, I, I, I just, the whole playoff situation, I really, really, really liked the format when it was the top 10 because that's what people you run to do. And, I, you know, that was the thing for, I don't remember when they changed it to 16, honestly, but it was 10 and then I think it was 12 and then it was 16 and it's like, if you're running 16th on average, good luck winning the championship. You know, like I need, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to win the championship. And and I say all that to say, a guy like Michael McDowell, a guy, these guys like RFK that are that are building something and working there, yes, being in the playoffs, huge, huge, huge deal. But it's these guys that are like your Gibbs and and Hendrick and you know, uh, uh, 2311, you know, whatever. All those teams. It's like, dude. Ask anybody on that team. Ask the owners, whatever. Ask the drivers. They're showing up every week. They want to run top 10. They don't want to run 16th. I promise. It, that is true. And I, I, for the most part, completely agree with everything you just said. It is a top 10. That's what you're looking for. That's what you want. If I have any rebuttal to it, it's simply that at least when it comes down to the end of the regular season through the first round to maybe the second round of the playoffs, there's some smaller teams getting media coverage they never would have received if it was only the top ten that mattered. There are some teams that do run 15th, 16th, 17th to 21st consecutively that may have a chance to get increased media coverage simply because it is such a large Swap and the money. field that ends up in the postseason, and they get a lot more money. In. They get a lot more money. Sponsorships are a lot easier to sell whenever the hood of your race car is going to be featured on You're, TV every single week. You are exactly so right. Does, no, I, I agree with you. It does have that. a bit of a benefit there. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. That's a way for you. them to help out those small teams that definitely they're not going to end up in the final eight, final four, but they are going to end up with strong runs just because that extra money's coming in. So totally. that's just a small rebuttal and a reason why I could see them keeping this around for a long while. But Oh, yeah, I don't see it going I, anywhere. I, but I no agree. <laughs> but I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't come to race 16th. You come to race top 10. That should be – we should put that on a T-shirt. I didn't show up to race 16th. <laughs> I showed up to race at least 10th. My favorite – Yeah, I saw, <laughs> I saw a dude. I saw a dude on social media – Oh, fuck. I, <laughs> he said something about it ran night this weekend at whatever track he was running. There's only nine cars in the race. I was like, oh, Hell fuck. Yeah. That's <laughs> how, I was like, yes, sir. That is right. it. That is That's it, dude. That's how you headline like, right there. That is it. Ninth place finish, dude. I was like, hell yeah. Somebody commented. The dude wrecked like hell. Finished ninth. But posted that he finished ninth. I was like, that is what I'm talking about right there. Heck, yeah, you take a picture of a fish close up enough, man, it's going to look like a big one. <laughs> <laughs> that, like you said, that's how, you just ride it the right way, man. You, you, can, you can finagle anything out of it, you know? That's definitely it, man. That's oh, so funny. God dang. I don't know what that well, feedback we're, just was. Uh, we're looking at a uh, – I didn't hear anything. We're looking towards the uh, very last race of the postseason now and talking about trying to make a small fish look big. We've got three guys that are sitting right at the bubble. We already kind of talked about Bubba Wallace here. But we got Suarez and we got Gibbs that 
maybe with a really damn perfect race could possibly end up knocking knocking Bubba Wallace out of there. I have a hard time thinking that it's going to happen with a point situation, though. I think we're looking at one final spot left open in the playoffs. And I really do believe it is Bubba Wallace or whoever else that doesn't have a win yet this season that ends up winning it. I agree and with you 100%. The one because thing Bubba, going for, yeah, the one thing going for him it. is he, he is really good at Daytona. Bubba can play he races. He's very good at Daytona. I mean, he, he can. can. I went up and looked up the stats before we started this podcast. Bubba Wallace at Daytona out of 18 races, he has four runner up finishes. Seven top fives, ten top tens. He's good. He is good at yeah, point yeah. racing. He knows how to keep himself out of trouble, and he knows how to run up front. So this is his opportunity right now to just come out and have a quiet, good race. Just run up front, get another one of those top tens, and as long as nobody that's not got a win yet, yeah, as long as it's one of the 14 guys, 13 guys that have wins already wins it, you are in. That's the I thing, mean, though. A quiet, good race does not help when it, when Corey LaJoy wins the race or Michael or Michael McDowell's. You know, some Brad K wins the race. Oh, he's locked in too. Anybody else? But like it, that that quiet day. That's what would keep me up at night if I was Bubba Wallace. Yeah. I would just like what what do you do? You have to run up front. You you got to be. You can't you just you can't just kind of hang out. You know, do whatever. You got to run up front. You got to stay out of that out of the stuff and you got to make sure either you win or or you better be pushing a son of a bitch with the win past the guy that ain't got one that's just what you're gonna have to do this is uh, i think this is probably one of the least that's probably the least excited i've ever been about seeing who does and doesn't make it into the playoffs just because there's only one spot left and it's three guys that i just really don't have any any love loss for. I mean, it's it's Suarez, Wallace, and Gibbs. I I don't I don't absolutely hate any of them, but I don't love any of them either. I, it's just it is what it is. We're just basically seeing who the sixteenth driver is at this point, and I don't think any of them are championship contenders. So I'm I'm Negative. not as excited about this as I ever have been. Uh, but I think you're right. Bubba Wallace has to go out there and run like he is run. He's he's he is racing for a win at this point. And we look at the other two guys and <clears throat> and on down the list, we've got Suarez, who's never had a top five at Daytona. Not once. His best finish is like a seventh, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, we've got Ty Gibbs, who's only raced at Daytona five times ever in his career, both through Xfinity and Cup. And his best finish is uh, seventh, I want to say, as well. And that was an Xfinity series. So... Ty Gibbs is going to go out there and have a and have a tough day. I think I think those two guys' chances of making it into the playoffs rely on simply a win, and I don't see either of them getting up there and doing it. This isn't their style of racetrack, and it's an easy racetrack for them to get swept up in. Very so true. At I the mean, end of the just... day, I think we're looking at Bubba Wallace or any of the guys that don't have a win yet, which includes your Coil of Joys, who does well at Daytona. You got your Chase well. Elliott, your Bowmans, your Cendricks, Amarola. Those are all guys that could go out here and win at Daytona because they've either done it before or have been damn close to doing it before. I'd be a nervous. I'd be nervous as hell if I was going into Daytona I'm a in a Mustang. race. <laughs> I mean, they, dude, going into Daytona in a must-win situation's got to just be the most nerve-wracking, 
thing. I mean, possibly ever. You're walking up to the roulette table and picking a number and praying. That's what Chase Elliott said. He said going into Daytona in a must win is like trying to win on the slot machines in Vegas. So said that exact thing, you know. And he's right. You're right. It's it is what it is. It, oh man, I'd be nervous. So here's a question for you. Do you think a driver without a win is going to win this race? There's thirteen already are thirteen drivers already with a win and a lot of big names for Daytona, including your Hamlins, your McDowell's. You're, uh, who else am I missing in here? There's, there's, and Keslowski's, your Harvick's, those are guys that I could absolutely see going out here and getting the win. Do you think a non locked in driver is who's going to come in here and sweep that 16th spot? That's hard to say. I, I, I mean, if it's going to happen anywhere, it happens at Daytona, obviously. You, you know, I have, I have one money on, uh, on, on Corey LaJoy and Chris Busher at plate tracks this year. My first ever NASCAR bet was a top five on a uh, Busher that won. So I could, this is what I could see. You're talking about a guy that hadn't won one. He hasn't won. I could see Busher locking to the sixes bumper and not leaving. And they run together, go look at any plate track this year, including Atlanta. They are nose to tell every single race. I could see him pushing him out there. He doesn't need to win, but for RFK, you know, for just in general, Brad getting his first win with RFK, like, I could totally see that happening for sure. That'd be a really cool moment. But those think, guys, it, like – I think the the moment <clears> – go ahead. Like, you got, we, got, we got these guys, you know, written down up here, Chase, Corey LaJoy, Bowman, Cendric, Almirola – they're not going to help anybody. I mean, they're going to be making crazy moves at the end of the race. Like, if you're getting pushed by them, you already know your fate. They are going to okey-doke you out of the way. I mean, you just know that's what's going to happen. So, and it does help, you know, You know, with Chase and Bowman. They, they have two teammates that are locked in. And I'm sure they're, you know, Chevrolet and everybody is talking. You know, everybody talks, you know, every, you know Chevrolet, Toyota, Ford about working and getting helping these guys out. So, they're, they're going to be... They're going to have their teammates locked their ass, I assume, and anywhere they go, they're going to follow them, you know. And yeah, Almirola, you know, they'll probably be running 35th, so they might not have a chance. Yeah, I could, I could see <laughs> that. But Amarola, at a plate track, Amarola they'll probably be really up there. Do good here. good Lord, they'll probably qualify 34th, 35th, and 36th. They could. I could totally see that. <laughs> and this is just a message to all those that – you remember back in the day, everybody always says, NASCAR's so rigged. If somebody needs a win, I swear to God, they're going to get it, and this and that. And they always talk about how, like, the storybook moments, like uh, Dale Jr. winning the uh, winning the July race at Daytona <laughs> after uh, I have a great, I have a great thing to tell everybody, you Everybody loves to talk about how those storybook moments always seem to happen in NASCAR. Well, here's your storybook moment. If this happens, maybe you have a little bit of a point, but Chase Elliott comes off the no-gas car 75 go bowling at the Glen, whatever the heck, 72.5 because that's as far as he made it. He comes off of that and then goes out here and wins Daytona. That's going to be your storybook moment. That's the one that everybody and their mother's out here looking for. That's the reason why Chase Elliott's odds this week are going to be plus 205, and you're not going to win any money on him if he ends up winning this race because that is the storybook moment that everybody is buying a ticket to see. If it happens, it's going to be one of the coolest things to have happened to Chase Elliott since his Roval win and ghost riding the car after nosing it into the wall. 
I mean, he's got he's got an opportunity here to really make a headline. And so I can't wait if the, if that somehow miraculously ends up happening that we're going to have Twitter blown up with people saying NASCAR's rigged again and I can't wait to see it just to laugh. I saw this meme, dude, and I died laughing. It was like Chase Elliott next Saturday night, and it's Dale Jr.'s car from 01. It's just got a blue number nine on it. That's all. They didn't change anything else. Just put the blue number nine, and I died laughing. I was like, that is hilarious. Yep. The old no-gas car 400. <laughs> oh, man. But you're right. But, see, Hendrick's between a rock and a hard place because they're, they're trying to get that, that 48 car in, too. Nobody yep. spends more money at Hendrick than Ally. Because they are on that hood of that car every single weekend. Yeah. They, it's they, going to be a tough one. They, they, I, Chase Elliott's most popular, but I promise they also want that 48 car in the playoffs too. And yeah, either, both do. of them or one of them ain't going to make it. Yep. I mean, it's possible both, neither one make it. You know, one, one, one wreck and they could both be done, you know? I but, mean, to be honest, my prediction is somebody <clears throat> that already has a win comes out here and wins this race. Bubba Wallace stays into the playoffs with a 30-point cushion and we just move on into next week and almost nothing changes. That's my prediction. It's just the idea of somebody coming out here and stealing this win, is it possible? Yes. But I've listed out the drivers I think it could it could be, and it's about five of them. I don't see any more than those, the Lil Joy, Elliott, Bowman, Cindric, or Amarillo. Those are going to be your guys I personally think could be the ones that come out there and steal the win. If it's anybody else, I'd be amazed and – I really think it's going to be one of the 13 that already have a win, or it's going to be Keselowski or Harvick who are already locked in. That's not, and it's not going to change up anything. But that's my naysaying coming you're, out. You're I'd love to be surprised. You're preparing for a super tame Daytona race is all what I'm hearing. At every plate track this year has been super tame. So, yes, <laughs> I am. I'm absolutely preparing for a tame Daytona race. It's just been the way it's all. It's been the way that this next gen car is raced on this track, and I don't know of any changes that they're making to it to change that up. It's just going to be side by side. No one can make a pass. And if there is a wreck, yes, it's going to be huge, but it's going to be in the back of the pack where all those drivers I just mentioned are going to probably be running. So that's my prediction. Yeah, you're probably right, but I'm still hoping for all hell to break loose, just because. So we'll have something cool to talk about. Me and you both. I uh, cool shit happening. I'd never be more. I'd never love being wrong more than having cool shit happening. Whenever I thought no cool shit was going to happen, but uh, next week though, when you bet, <clears throat> always look for those guys like Corey LaJoy. Who knows what Busher's odds will be? But Corey LaJoy, Busher, Keselowski, those guys that kind of have that don't their odds aren't super inflated. Like you said, Chase Elliott will probably be in the negatives to win this week at a plate track. Yeah. Um. Look at those guys because those guys are going to be running. They they will run up front. I mean they they will. They have a good chance. They have a good chance. I'm not saying bet them to win, but their top five bets are will be plenty valuable. So uh, I love I love 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 betting on plate tracks. They're my favorite tracks to bet on because you can do those crazy <clears throat> crazy ones and you know crazy stuff happens. So plate tracks are definitely some of my favorites to bet on throughout the season. Even though I am Mister Short Track. <laughs> Mr. Short Track. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. This is going to be one where you just – we have to wait till the odds to come out – or till the odds come out to really tell you what we want to bet on because it really does it's, – it's, this is the one chance where it relies more on the amount of money you stand to make rather than the amount of confidence you have in them to make that money for you. Yeah. 
you've got to kind of balance true. those two a lot more. Um, well, we uh, can yeah. quickly touch on this uh, Xfinity race. We had Sam Mayer drop kick Ty it. Gibbs out of the Loved way. It. it was awesome, Loved hilarious it. to see. Little tiny squirrel boy went for a ride. Unfortunately, Austin Hill also went for that same ride. Said he lost all respect for Sam Mayer after that move. Flipped him off all the way down that last little stretch before those last two turns. Kind of, kind of yeah. hilarious to see. I was surprised I we didn't get more fighting out of it. I wouldn't mess with Big Country if I was Sam Mayer. I, if he thinks getting punched by Ty Gibbs sucked, he wait till he gets dropped by Austin Hill. Ah, dude, that that guy's got some got some country hospitality in that right. He does. You know He's it. old corn fed <laughs> Georgia boy, so he he knows yeah. what's going on. Absolutely. Sam Mary gets his second win out of it, and Ty Gibbs gives the most lackluster, I don't have a personality, and I'm scared to say anything that Grandpa is going to get mad at me for interview I've ever heard in my entire life. Holy shit, I saw a quote. It was the greatest comment I've ever seen. It had a ton of likes. Uh, Ty Gibbs gets out of the car. He's like, man, I race on Sundays. I don't give a damn about Sam Mayer. It's the top comment says, man, that'd be super savage comment if your granddad didn't own your car. <laughs> I, died, I died laughing at that. I was like, "Yes, like you can't, you can't talk shit when your path is just completely paved for you, one thousand percent." I know all these guys got money, but even some people got more money than the guys that got money. Like Ty Gibbs, it's just there. Don't fuck up, and here it is. So yeah, I you mean, can't be Mister Shit Talker when it's just that laid out for you. And I love that people I mean, called him out I, for I've it always defended him a little bit on that front. I I get where you're coming from with how with getting into the car, but what you do with it once you're in it is completely yours. And I've yeah, seen a lot of guys get a cup ride that didn't didn't uh, not a lot. I, I know I know another guy that's got a cup ride because as a family member owns a car, and uh, he, he didn't do anything with it. He hadn't yeah, done a whole so lot. I, I, I always do give him the credit of he did go out there and win an Xfinity Series championship. It's not a Cup Series championship. He hasn't won a Cup Series race yet, but he did go out there and, and I do think a damn Austin Dillon won an Xfinity Series championship. I think. You're talking over my head, so I'm not sure I would have to look that one up. Um, yeah, I'm pretty but, sure he's won a truck and an Xfinity Series championship. But boy, he should have just yeah, stayed I, there. He should have. And then maybe Ty Gibbs one day will think the same thing, but we'll have to see. We'll just have to see what he does going forward. I just, I the, if I have to rag on him for anything, it's simply the fact that he has tons of tons of ammo he can use in the Xfinity series to talk crap about these guys. And he gets in a situation like that, and he gets wrecked out, and he just leaves the car. He's just smiling, and I'm just gonna move forward and this and that, like. No, nah, man, come on. Fire yourself up. Defend yourself a little bit. Don't just get out of the car and just smile about it and act like nothing ever happened. Do like Austin Hill did and flip the dude off down the back stretch and get out and tell him you lost all respect for him and get in his face. Like, what is with this? This Ty Gibbs' this personality is exactly what we've been complaining about NASCAR personalities for years. They're so scared to say anything to run a sponsor off that they're not even willing to get to have a quote worth putting on TV. It's like you're so scared of what could happen, you're making nothing happen at all. Well, I, Ty, hate but see, I hate that. I hate that Ty Gibbs, Ty Gibbs interviews, we saw it all year last year. They go they go like this where he says some super outrageous shit and compares himself to God, and then it goes down somebody gets mad at him and then it goes down to this. 
and then he'll have an interview like he did yesterday or Saturday where it's, you know, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. And then we'll have another one up here where he, you know, dumps his teammate at uh, Martinsville last year when he needs a win to get in, have some outrageous interview, and then it's, you know, down here, you know, thank you, everybody, you know, whatever. It's like, damn. I just can't – I'm just not on the Ty Gibbs, tiny squirrel boy train. I just can't can't get there. Tiny little squirrel boy. Well, it's – it was a great end of the race. It was a, uh, it was definitely a, a great way to finish it. You ended up winning a huge Woo-hoo! bet that day, plus eight hundred. Got a top on top three Klingerman. old Mister Kligerman, the Clig as I call him, the Kling. Yeah, he Klig. did. He did a great Klig, job. Not clean, Clig. The Clig. <laughs> the Clig. Uh, yeah, dude. I, as you know, I put bets on Kligerman every single road course, and I told you all years like one of these is going to pay off, and boom, finally it happened. Yeah, it was a it was a great way to end that in that race for you with that whole shebang of Sam Mayer clearing going bowling, uh, as they put it, uh, him going out there and doing that just secured Klingerman that top five that top three spot that you needed, and he went out there and just raced for it, and it he perfect. got it. So wins you some money. That was the uh, only bet that either of us had hit all weekend. Like we said, Brutal. we're not professional gamblers. Race. We just. Uh, <laughs> we just have fun with it. We just waste money on it, really. Our per diem goes straight to betting every week, I swear. Um, All right, you want to go to your hack, hack of the, of the week. week? Hack of the week. I don't know. Uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand. I put mine in the notes, but I haven't heard yours. I don't know if you I'll, agree I'll, with I'll, not, I'll, I'll agree with you because I don't know of anything else that – I mean, the other hack of the week could be uh, Sam Mayer, but I like what Sam Mayer did, so he can't be a hack. I was here my, for it. I don't have any – I'm not opinion. mad about it at all. Yeah. So, so my hack of the week that I picked I agree this with week was the crew chief on top of the box for the nine car coming in to a must win situation with two races to go at statistically Chase Elliott's best chance to win all season long goes out. Alan Gustafson listens. I don't know if he got the bad information he talked about on the broadcast from one of his engineers or one of his I don't know who the heck passed this information on to him. That was so incorrect. But three laps of fuel left in your reserve tank just is a mistake that Steve Letarte immediately, as soon as he heard three laps in the reserve tank, said there is no way that that reserve tank is holding that much gas in it. And they run out of fuel, running in seventh place, and absolutely screw themselves into having a must-win at Daytona, they should never have been in this situation. Do I think Chase Elliott was going to win Watkins Glen? I don't know. That's, that would have been really, really, really tough to do from where he was at. But how do you run out of gas in a must-win situation down the backstretch and just say bad information? There is no bad information at this point. I don't understand why three laps of fuel made sense to him in that moment. Maybe it was just a mental error. But it just seemed so ridiculous the way that that race came down for Chase Elliott. So Alan Gustafson has officially won, I think, the first time a crew chief has won Hack of the yes, Week. Yes, <laughs> sir. I was going to say that. First crew chief Hack of the Week award. Congrats yeah, to him. Yeah, that was, that was embarrassing. And I hate it for him. I I'm, my, I don't hate Chase Elliott. I don't hate Alan Gustafson, but they definitely made a huge mistake this week. And my, they my, this, this this is this this is what blows my absolute mind. And uh, I can say the stats because we had a bunch of people put put the stats from, you know in people's face on the social media. 
people are calling for Alan Gustafson's head on social media. He should be fired. You know, he should be this. He should be that. He has the second most active wins in the Cup Series and championships behind Rodney Childers. These people See, that are makes absolutely those people the out of, of the their mind. Out of their they mind. Are. Who in the hell are you going guy. to find that is a better crew chief for Chase Elliott than Alan Gustafson? Like, what the people are people? And they want to just go straight together. To, exactly. The only person that has more is uh is Rodney. Rodney has one championship, but he's got more wins. And it's like y'all got to be y'all got to be out of your mind to like people always thinking the grass is greener on the other side in these situations. And it's like. Dude, you're working with a guy that has worked with Mark Martin, won races with Mark Martin, Jeff Gordon, uh, Kyle Busch, and Chase Elliott, and you're wanting to fire, fire him. Like, and they're wanting to fire him on a on a season where Chase Elliott has undergone a screwed major himself injury. out of everything. And like he screwed himself. Suspension. Alan Gustafson Alan, has done Alan, everything he possibly can with yeah. the minimal amount of effort that. With with the minimal amount that his driver has been able to back him up with, this is Chase Elliott's bad season. This is not Alan Gustafson's bad I season. I agree. That Their is a notes great are quote. Seven that, races behind. Yes, you you can't blame Alan Gustafson for Chase's snowboarding wreck. You can't blame Alan Gustafson for Chase right rearing Denny Hamlin. You can blame Chase Elliott for putting Alan Gustafson in a situation where he has to call races so aggressively. That's why he was trying to do the damn thing. And somebody was asking the question. He was like, I think you answered your own question. I'm trying to win the fucking race. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, There's no, give me, I'll second, take a crew chief that's aggressive like that. Yeah, I'll take a crew chief that's aggressive like that over somebody that's just going to powder puff me around back here for no fucking, you know, we're not going to win. Let's just keep doing the same thing everybody else is. Screw that. Yeah. Let's do, and when let's giving, do something different. Exactly. And when I give him the Hack of the Week award, I'm giving him the Hack of the Week award simply for mis, misreading what a yeah. fuel situation was. That is one tiny part of a huge race. They were running seventh at the time. They were yeah, in a must-win situation, that, and they were in the top, They were almost <clears throat> in the top five, easily in the top ten, and making up from a terrible qualifying effort to do all of that. So he, they were already doing what they needed to do. They just that, – that one mistake was the big one that they couldn't have. You can run out of gas at any race, but you cannot run out of gas in a must-win situation. That's the only yeah, reason I give him shit. But I'm with you. I have so yeah. much respect for what they've done as a team. It's amazing. I'm so I'm so on board with the hack of the week for Allen. But, like, because it's funny and that's just what we do on this podcast – but man, yeah. just like I said, some of the shit that I was reading about these people that these people post about it happens every week. But this, you know, specifically Allen this weekend, it's like, dude, the grass ain't always greener on the other side. You're gonna get into a side just like all these other guys. You, you know, you got something good. It's like you got one off year, one bad situation, and then you go start running through crew chiefs like people run through toilet paper. It's like, yeah. And they never it's, have a chance to gel and mold. Yeah. And talk about coming out of one of their worst seasons. If they could squeak a win out in the playoffs, whether they're in the playoffs or not, they need a win for their morale. But for imagine sure. how much stronger sure. of a team they're going to be if they come out here and get a win and they finish this year strong. They went through one of the toughest years a major NASCAR driver has gone through in a long while. At, and it, it, was, it was nobody's fault the way that it started. It just was an accident. It was a thing that happened. Alan Gustafson had to go in there and work with two other relief drivers between Corey LaJoy and Josh Berry popping in. 
and, and he still finished did a second. Damn good he job. finished second with it's, Josh Berry in a race. Yeah, so he still went out there and crew chiefed the hell out of these races. And imagine how much stronger that team is going to be for what they went through. Chase Elliott's the one that needs a little bit of work right now. The team's doing yeah, fine. That I'm, they I'm just right there with a, you. Like, they, they were seven races behind and still had a possibility of pointing their way into that championship run. Tell me that's not impressive. That's yeah, impressive. I, yeah, that's the – yeah. I'm so, I, I mean, as I knew you would, but just agreeing like that. People just, you know, say the most outrageous stuff on social media. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're talking about like – possibly the second best ish crew chief stat wise on the box like come on now yeah let's leave him where he's at he's doing yeah. just he's fine. doing just fine and he's been working for the the biggest team in racing since i was a kid so i mean let's you know let's yep. remember he's he's not just some scrub off the street they just found last week you know it's true well, the only thing we have left to talk about really is trading paint, and I think it's pretty easy to pick your trading paint this week. It that that <laughs> waffle car, dude, that forty-seven Ricky Stenhouse Jr. waffle car, that fire suit was unbelievable, and I mean, it was the goofiest looking thing I've ever seen. But man, talk about a way to get some good attention. Have a fire suit dressed up like you're just a one giant waffle, and the car looking the same way. That is, it was just fun to watch. It was it was goofy enough that I liked it. Because oh, yeah. of how goofy it was. It was cool. You couldn't pay me anything to drink that shit, but cool car. Uh, they, I, I, they, they, the 47 used to get made fun of in 2020 and a few years ago before they got a graphic designer, man. They used to have some doo-doo paint jobs. And, man, everyone <laughs> they have had this year has been just fire. I mean, they've had some awesome cars this year. They have. They really have. It's so. been a great year for paint jobs for them, for sure. They, they, they it's been a great year for them overall. For you, when you when you run top fifteen every week in a car like that, you can afford to have a pay a graphic designer to design your cars. You know, yeah, they're using that Daytona five hundred money right there is what they're doing. They are. That's that extra sponsor money we talked about last week. Helps out a ton. Well, hell yeah, like we said, we're, we're on our way around. to uh, Iowa and Wisconsin this weekend. If you're up there, come say hello. I don't know where we're playing, yeah. what venue, what town, but uh, I know it's Davenport, Iowa, and Hayward, Wisconsin, and some other place in Wisconsin. Hell so yeah, we're gonna be all over the we're gonna be all over the northern Midwest this week, and I'm excited. I just hope it's not hot. I'm ready I hope for it's it. not raining. I'm hope it's not raining. Two shows, two of them are inside, so that we're good. We're we're two for three on the indoors. That's what you love to see. We're yeah. uh, I'm getting ready to go uh, build a chicken coop. For my little baby chickens out here, they're getting a little too big for their little pen. So we're going to bought me a chicken coop yesterday. I'm going to go build it, sweat my Very ass nice. off some more outside. Yep, I think I'm about to go mow the grass. I see Allison out there walking around, <laughs> taking a look at it right now. So I think we're you about can go to go sweat your started. ass off too. I'm not Thank y'all. Thank y'all again for pounds. listening. Uh, like, you yeah. can follow me on everything Dawson Edwards music, uh, Caleb. We got Caleb Con Rowdy across the board. Yep, and then and, uh, uh, we follow Raised Rowdy Racing, Raised Rowdy, on, to find all of our stuff on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, we're going to have a lot more videos to post. I know we only posted two last week. We've been so busy. Uh, yes, you know, <laughs> moving just, never stops. It's a three-month so, process. <laughs> I just can't believe how busy we've been. I mean, it's just it's just insane. But between this, between moving, between working, it's been nuts. We do have two weeks off, though, coming up, and – Really going to get some more stuff done, you know, with this podcast, and we're we're excited about. So, 
like I said, views keep going up. People keep reaching out. So can't ask for much more than that, you know? No, and we really appreciate y'all listening every week. Uh, thank you to everybody out there, especially Randy Adams. You're always our number one. Let's be honest. Randy. And uh, thank you to uh, Nikki T, Raised Riding Nikki T, all across all the, uh, across Matt all Burrell, the social platforms. Nock. And Matt Burrell for uh, taking the time to edit these videos down for us. And Ike, thank you as well for everything that y'all do. We will uh, we'll get this uploaded pretty quick and can't wait to uh, hear what everybody has to say about it. Post some TikToks, post some Instagram stuff, and mow the grass. Ready for it. Hell yeah. We'll see y'all next week. All right, we'll see y'all. Thank y'all.